Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. But don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. You don't hear it, but for me, I have the music playing. This is The Hockey Flow. It's a brand new show featuring Marco D'Amico and Adam Boucher and bringing you the best of the world on ice. I'm AJ Cordero. I'm the guy behind the scenes and the guy who just tried to put everything together. And we're making it happen on a Thursday night at 5.30 p.m. because, uh, I'm sorry, life happens and we're just trying to get it out there. In any case, I hope you're doing okay. Shouting a couple of things that you need to know. First of all, at The Hockey Flow. That's a place that you should go uh, to get all of our latest episodes and also great insight. It's also where we actually got our first Twitter question. So we're going to throw that to the mailbag in a couple of seconds, but also the socials of our two main men over here. Really, Adam B. You can find Adam Boucher on Twitter over there. You can chirp him and ask him all kinds of questions. And of course, Marco D'Amico at scrimmageandstats.com and of course, the Twitter handle at the Hockey Expert. So let's get right to it. We had a, a little bit of a... Uh, usually we record this on Wednesday. I had something to take care of, so on Wednesday I couldn't do it. So thankfully the boys agreed to do this on Thursday. But we had the extra opportunity to talk to some people on Twitter. And uh, we got something there, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. You tell us what who, what happened, what... Uh, Basically, Alberta has had a question, right? Yeah. So we received our first uh, fan question, if you would say. Thank you so much, uh, Alberta Habs. We love you. Yeah, Make sure so we give them a follow. <laughs> there you go. So Alberta Habs on Twitter, in one word, uh, give them a follow. Uh, let's go with the question right away, I guess. So he was asking uh, a hypothetical of the absolute best case scenario of trading Mete Kulak, Hulsen, Domi, Dano, Picks uh, together or separately that would make Montreal an instant contender. So I have I have the answer to that question in my head. I want... Wow, I, you do? I have... Uh, I mean, uh, first of all, Alberta you know, Habs, great question. Uh, yeah. That is a like, phenomenal seriously. question, but like... The fact that Adam already has the answer, bro, get on the phone with Bergevin right now. I have an opinion. I have yeah, it's my okay. opinion. Let, let us help you. We'll give you that. Uh, if you're fired, you can go work for the Canadians. There we need all go. the help we can get. <laughs> Sorry, we're not getting paid for any of this. So, so let's make that very clear. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess if you guys don't mind, I'll jump right into it with what I please, think. Please, please, make it happen. Should be, yeah. Okay, so it. first of all, Mete Kulak, um, I see one of the two getting traded. Same thing for Do- Domi and Dano. I see uh, one of the two being Habs' third line center next year. Um, with Mete and Kulak, we, we saw, um, we're going to get to that in a second, but Edmondson just signed. So that's, uh, we have a bunch of defenders just 
what's our defense going to look like? No clue. Um, so yeah, I would package one of Mete Kulak. I would package one of Domi Dano in the same trade, separate trade. I think we should include picks as well. Uh, as for Juleson, I don't think he's moving anywhere. I think uh, he's going to get a shot next year. If not in Montreal, he's going to get ice time in Laval. Um, as for who to target, my number one would be, uh, well, the rights to, to, to negotiate with Taylor Hall. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Um, as a more certain pick, I would go for someone like Ehlers that would bring really like arguably our first line left wing for, for, for years to come and someone that's been on, on, on the trade board for quite a while as of now. So that's my opinion. Let Marco, I want to hear what you have to say on, on the topic. I mean, there's, there's many ways you can go about this. There's many ways. Um, I actually proposed this like yesterday uh, while trying the NHL 21 demo. I just thought about it off the top of my head. Minnesota is looking to trade Matt Dumba, who is a right defenseman. Um, Winnipeg desperately needs a right defenseman. I Montreal has a center to give, if not two, uh, as you stated. Although I'm not sure who's going to be the third-line center out of them all. I think Kakanyemi might start off as the third-line center and kind of move up. But how's about a three-way trade, right? We don't see many of those, but I think we're going to see them. Uh, and that would include Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Montreal, where Minnesota gets Domi, Winnipeg gets Dumba, and Montreal gets Ehlers. And you can throw in... Whatever amount of picks or prospects that need to be evened out or ironed out on either side. But ultimately speaking, those be, those would be the three major pieces. And I feel like it's a win for all of them. Because right now what we're hearing is that Minnesota wants to trade Matt Dumba, but no one's offering a bona fide top six center for him. So perhaps the Canadians feel that Max Domi is worth more than Matt Dumba. If that's the case, I think they're terribly mistaken. But ultimately, I think that that's a three-way trade that works out for all. Now, does that solve the issue of the second-line center role for the Winnipeg Jets? No. I think a more direct trade would be Max Domi and, and whatever versus Nick Ehlers and whatever. And I think that would work for the Canadians as well. Now, to answer my buddy Alberta Habs, whom I exchanged with a lot online, um, I'll say this. You want a blockbuster then Patrick Liney versus a an agreed, a gentleman's agreement, because they can't sign before October 9th, a gentleman's agreement signed Philip Deneau, Ben Sherratt, because you already just signed Edmondson, the 16th overall pick, and Jaden Struble. Now I know people are going to be like, but Jaden Struble... I wouldn't be offering whom I believe to be the best, the Canadians' best defensive prospect. And yeah, book that. Best defensive prospect. If it didn't mean you were getting possibly one of the best scorers of the the next five to six years. And you have a Nick Suzuki who can pull rabbits out of his hat. And then you have his countryman in Kakaniemi. So you have now a right side of... Gallagher, Liney, and an upcoming Cole Caulfield. Your right side is set for the next 10 years. And you can easily ease that in and focus your attentions to helping the 
team get better on other sides of the puck. So you can then look at left wing, you can look at defense, etc. Even though the Canadians have already done that, again, they sit in the driver's seat because they have the money to go ahead and spend. Do, do the Winnipeg Jets have all the money? Is is Mark Chipman going to spend to the cap like he usually does? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know yet. They haven't pronounced themselves. But Patrick Liney is on a two-year bridge deal, his second year this year, and then you better sign him. You better extend him multiple years because then he's taking his qualifying offer this summer and then going to straight to free agency the next summer. So there is no better time to trade Patrick Liney than this summer for the Winnipeg Jets. And if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, not only do I swing for the fences to get him, I sign him until he's 32. I give him a seven-year deal right off the bat because you can't give him eight. That's what I do. Me. The only thing I would not give prospect-wise, because Kakaniemi and Suzuki are off the table, is Cole Caulfield in a deal for Patrick Liney. I would give virtually anybody else, even Romanov, if it needed to happen. And I know that's going to make people go insane. But, again... Romanov, Harris, Norlander, Struble, similar all defenders, borderline yeah. second pairing guys, right? No clear cut top pair guys. If that's who they're asking for, you give it. As long as it's not Cole Caulfield, because out of everybody in the prospect pool and on the roster, there isn't one guy that has the scoring potential of a Cole Caulfield. Yeah. That's where I stand. Well, Alberta Habs, you got your dream wish. I don't know if it's a dream wish, but you you got your wish. I wouldn't call it a dream wish. He just you got what you asked for, which is the invite everybody else to give us questions. Yeah, we'd love to. So again, pitch your questions away at the the Hockey Flow account. And uh, of course, Morocco and uh, Adam push them out there so that they see it. And if we can see it and track it in time, we'll put it onto the show. Let's get to some of the other weekly uh, hockey news items that we have here. And of course, the big one was Pierre Pierre Laviolette. You wrote Peter here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Because no, because I'm so used to say Pierre Laviolette, but like everyone, like everyone else, it's like, it's Peter. It's like, yeah, I guess so. But anyway, he becomes... Why would you call him Pierre Laviolette? That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I do me. We have this on air. He admitted to it. No, no, no. There's no no shame. I I am happy to be proven wrong. I am happy to learn. That's that's the humility I hope (laughs) I can enjoy for the rest of my life, because I will always be wrong in some respect. But in any case, um, let's uh, celebrate Mr. Laviolette, who becomes the 19th head coach in Capitals history. So... Marco, you didn't seem so happy about this. Look, there's arguments for both, right? The only team that Peter Laviola hasn't taken to the Stanley Cup final were the Islanders in his first year, the first coaching stint, and that was only two years. So you got to give him credit. The other flip side of the situation is he always coached really good teams. Like, really good teams. So... Are the Capitals a really good team? Uh, yeah. So it, it kind of continues to fit the bill for him. So he keeps landing in opportune situations, and good for him. So, you know, like, at the end of the day, do I think he's going to be able to extract the maximum out of a club that potentially won't have Alexander Ovechkin as of next year? We'll see. Because he's, he's, he's on the last year of his contract. Um... You know, that could really change it. Is, is Are the Capitals going to rebuild accordingly? Or what is that going to mean for him? 
So, you know, it could be a little intense. But if I remember what happened when he went to, to Philadelphia, uh, things changed when he got there. They played a more well-rounded game. And no disrespect to Todd Reardon, who is the former uh, coach. But when you go from Barry Trotz to Todd Reardon and then back up to a guy like Peter LaViolette, I think t- things are going to stabilize a little bit. I don't know what you think, Adam. I know we used to talk about my hate for Peter Laviolette as a coach or as a person in general, but you can't. You no, know, we used to honestly. We used to do this like in the backstory yeah. back in the day, just to be like, I hate that guy. <laughs> How do you hate hated a man the like National this? Predators play. I mean, how do I hate him? Have you listened to this man give a press okay. conference? It's like putting people to sleep. So yeah, when you try to like find out about what's going on, or there's a player in your pool that's potentially going to be injured, and you're looking for some form not of information, it. and this guy's like, he's got a full body injury, and you're like, no, 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 that's not going to work. <laughs> so yeah, no, Peter Laviolette has a special place in my heart. Yeah, but Adam, I, I'd like to hear your opinion because the Washington Capitals are not a young team, and this is a guy that's not a, a, a very development-friendly coach. So I feel like there's a fit here. I'd really like to hear you. I think you laid it out perfectly. I think that... that, So we said it before on the podcast. The Caps are one of the teams which their window's closing, right? So I think he has... I I think he has a window of one or two years to to really win with this team. Otherwise, it's going to be a blow-it-up type of scenario, right? Um, So yeah, I think it's... As you said, it's a nice fit. I have to agree. And I think he has to prove it in the first two years of his contract, right? And one thing to keep into consideration, it was just announced, I believe, two days ago, um, that Braden Holtby is going to free agency. So that means that, bearing a crazy move, we're going to have Ilya Samsonov as the number one goalie in, in Washington. So what does that mean for Peter LaViolette? Well, this is the guy that took the Flyers to the Stanley Cup Finals with Michael Layton. So what does that mean? That means is he's going to bring the same system he used in Philly and the same system he realistically used in Nashville because let's let's call a spade a spade. Pecorine was protected when Peter LaViolette was the coach because they reduced the amount of shots he got. That's going to be the same thing in Washington, in my honest opinion. And they have the players to make that happen. You know, if, if you look at the John Carlsons, the Orlovs, the Nick Jensen's, etc. So I really feel like there's going to be an added push to the defensive side of the game. And I feel like outside of Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, I feel like everybody else is going to be pretty much bought into that. If he can get those two to buy into it, I think you're going to have a very successful If we successful are talking season. about the other candidates who were considered, uh, other names that were also interviewed, but <clears throat> Mike Babcock, uh, Jared Gallant, uh, Boost Brujo was also uh, linked to the conversation as well. This seems like it was a good move overall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would have preferred Gallant personally, but again, as but he's we like discussed, a player's coach, not right? an old a, team. Like- he is a player's coach, but this is a player's team, right? Like, and, like, and to that, people, the level like, well, provides results most, early in his tenure, right? <clears throat> yeah, sort of. True. Gallant, uh, that, that's a fair right? point. Sort of Gallant, right? Like, I, it's a difficult thing to say because you look at a coach one year, you look at a coach the other, right? You look at Peter DeBoer one year, he's in the Stanley Cup Finals. The next year, they miss the playoffs. Like, and then the year after that, he's fired. But is that was that really DeBoer's fault or was that Doug Wilson being a bad GM and putting all his eggs in one basket? Right? So like coaches generally will take the fall 
for incompetent GMs in most cases. If you look at Peter Laviolette, I feel like he took the fall for a GM that missed the boat or made bad decisions in David Poyle. I don't feel like he was the mistake. Case in point, uh, Hines was no better in the playoffs with with the Nashville Predators, or sorry, the the, the qualification round because they didn't make it to the playoffs. So that's that. I'm 100% happy that Mike Babcock didn't get that job, though. I will say that, and I will say that to the end of my day. I'm a Concordia boy. I don't care that he went to McGill. I don't like Mike Babcock with Alex Ovechkin and and, and, and Kuznetsov in a room. I just, not a good fit. Not well, a good fit. Let's talk. Not a yeah. good fit. I would just, I don't know. I would feel like there would be some form of psychological hijacking Well, let's there. talk about at what is a good fit. And that was the fit that was found between the Minnesota Wild and the Buffalo Sabres this week. Uh, we saw the Minnesota Wild acquiring Marcus Johansson from the Sabres. And, of course, Eric Stahl going the other way. Uh, there was... Uh, there was a Stahl had a ten team no trade list, and somehow the Sabers weren't on that list at all. So the deal is a one for one, uh, no salary retained. Yeah, because he was just like, yeah. The, the The word was he had no idea that Buffalo would even want him, and I'm like, dude, you're a top six center. Yeah, just insert Kirby, insert Kirby enthusiasm theme. You? <laughs> yeah, just like what's wrong with you? Of course you put Buffalo on your no trade. No, look, honestly. He's a Thunder Bay kid. Buffalo's not too far either. So, like, this also works out for him. Let's call a spade a spade here. And he gets to play second fiddle to Jack Eichel. I want to play second fiddle well, to Jack Well, we all do, Eichel. don't we? Like, yeah. Right? Like, he's your number one guy. You're sitting on the second line going, hey, I put up 50 points. No one's going to touch me. You know, like, that's the easiest second line job ever. I actually know I take that back. Nassim Kadri has, has the easiest second line yeah. job ever. And then you have now Eric Stahl. So, like, it's, I don't know, like, it's a good move. But I'm looking at this from Minnesota's perspective, and I'm like, do you really see Marcus Johansson as a center? And if so, can I please have the meds? Because he's, he's slotted as their first-line center as of now, right? So, uh, I mean, yeah, as, as of, no, I hope it does. That's 100% going to change. It has to change. If they're going to trade Dumba, yeah. it has yeah. to be for a center. That, or you're going to see them go turn back tail around and try to sign Michael Granlund to fill that center spot. That Watch could that work. happen. They're going to repatriate Michael Granlund whilst still having Kevin Fiala yeah. on the team. Because David Poyle is a great GM, guys. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, though, I really want to hear about Adam's take on this. For me, Marcus Johansson is a winger and and, and will always be a winger. I know he can play center, but I really want your opinion on where he fits and are they... Is Minnesota going through the same growing pains that Montreal was about four years ago with trying to figure out their center line? I think they do because I'm looking at those lines right now and I, I don't know what they're trying to do over there. Uh, so yeah, as we said, he's slotted as their first line center. That's going to change. You have Erickson Eck, and then you have Galchenyuk, who just stated a couple of days ago that he, he probably won't return, right? Or his agent stated. Well, that that was yesterday. They he was uh, Bill Guerin yeah. was questioned, and they said that they spoke to Galchenyuk's agent, and more likely than so not, you're he's not coming back. Losing two of your top three centers, you're replacing one of them. With Johansson, who's arguably not a center. So, what are they doing there? Yeah, like, I feel like if you're going to get to that point and you're going to put Johansson at center, 
leave him on the wing, put Ryan Donato at center, in my opinion, right? They do have Yul Eriksson Ek. Luke Kunin could, in theory, play center, but I think it's obvious they need they to need sign They need to make a, center, a trade or right? they need like, to sign a center. That's Yeah. Yeah. This is if if honestly if they're not able to go and get like that bona fide top six center for like years to come and they end up drafting one at ninth overall, like a Lundell or a Rossi or or, or you name it, right? Or they reach for a a, a Hendrix Lapierre or a Dawson Mercer. Either way, this is a team that I see turning around to a team like Vegas and asking about the availability of a guy like Paul Stasny. Who's got one year at six point five million left, right? Like this is the kind of team with cap space, you know, prospects that are going to be coming in because they're going to be selling. And if it doesn't work out with Stasny, they can bite the bullet, retain fifty percent, and then trade him again at deadline next year. So I feel like that's the kind of move that a Bill Guerin is going to do. Uh, you know, he's going to be aggressive, but I don't think he's going to oversell or o- overpay. You know, to to try and but, fill that void. Like he, he might fit. come back to to Montreal and look, ask for Domi or Dano, right? At this point, why not? Yeah, and you know, Domi for Dumba. Um, I don't think that I would say no, but again, that fit isn't there because you already have Shea Weber, you already yeah. have Jeff Petrie. Um, combined, are making twelve million. You're going to add the six million made by Dumba. That's eighteen. I don't see it. I think that a three way trade makes more sense yeah. as discussed initially. Well, let's move from one Bill GM to another Bill GM, and that goes from Garant to Armstrong. So Bill Armstrong is new, the new GM of the Arizona Coyotes. Congratulations to him. Uh, Elliot Friedman broke this story, I think it was uh, yesterday, actually. It just feels like, yeah, it was, sorry, it's just yesterday, life is... Yeah, it was about 11 o'clock <laughs> Anyway, yesterday. so from the Blues over to the Yotes. So let's throw it over to you, Marco. What are your thoughts on this? Oy vey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so... Not Oive for the choice. I'm going to be straight on that, okay? I think Bill Armstrong is a fantastic hockey guy. I think he's got... He knows what he's doing. He's going to be better than Chagas. Uh, this Come is a guy on, that man. was the head... I'm not in the moment of defamation <laughs> right now. And never, because this I podcast simply, is probably promoted everywhere. <laughs> I will simply... Exactly. I will simply add this, okay? And make of it of what, what you will. But it wouldn't be hard to be better than what John Chica did. That's all I'm going to say. The only trade this guy won was the Kessel trade. That's it. Zero, zilch, nada. Seventh overall, and Tony D'Angelo for Stepan and, and Ranta. You got to be kidding me. Okay? So, I, and Galchenyuk for Domi, we're not even going to get into that. But it's just, at this point... He's got a lot to fix, and the problem with it is he was the director of scouting for the St. Louis Blues, so he can't even partake in the draft strategy for the 2020 draft for the Arizona Coyotes. So, not that the Arizona Coyotes have any draft strategy, they don't even have a pick in the top 60, because their second-round pick was removed. Their first-round pick was traded for Taylor Hall. Their second-round pick was removed because of the tampering that John Chica did, and their first round pick next year has also been removed for the tampering. So it's, it's you know, like I, I feel bad because he's coming into an impossible situation. The, the team is old and doesn't have much going on on the defensive side. They have solid prospects, Hayton, Michelli, 
um, that, you know, uh, Soderstrom, um, that they can kind of build around. But I think what's really going to happen here is you're going to see a fire sale. I think that Arizona is, or Bill Armstrong is going to look at his team, uh, bring in the amateur scouting background that he has and just kind of be like systematically like Jalmerson out, um, Demers out, Goligoski out, uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, I think Soderbergh's a free agent, Soderbergh's rights out, you know, he's just, I think you're going to see a sale and really a back to basic situation for the and Arizona Cowboys. Especially if, if I can add to that, especially if they lose Hall, which I, yeah. I think it's a, but I think yeah. the moment at the moment they lose Hall, they just blow it up. They just trade everything away. They start over and yeah i think he's a great guy to do it but well, two, yeah i found this hilarious though like there are serious discussions for oliver ekman larson and i'm thinking to myself like yo you want to fix and your left they're knee? trading him away anybody want to yeah. fix their left defense man is that an easy way to do that as long as you have the money to take in that eight million with giving little to no salary back, I think that could work. I feel, I feel like before Montreal made its moves, uh, they could have potentially benefited from a guy like Oliver ekman Larson if it cost nothing but a first and a defensive prospect, for example. But that's a whole lot of risk because you don't know if it's Rick Tockett's defensive system or Oliver ekman Larson himself, but let's just call a spade a spade. He hasn't had a good last two seasons. So... Is he worth $8 million? That's the thing. So it's going to be fun to see what Arizona does. But at the same time, like, I don't wish ill on Bill Armstrong. But the, I've never seen a GM walk into a situation and start at a handicap. Like him. <laughs> and I feel like he starts at a handicap. So good for him for accepting the job. I'm willing to give this guy, like, m- even more leeway. Why? He's getting checked, paid a like, million a season for five seven years. years. Sorry. Yeah, I know, but like you're not gonna make. There's no miracle to be made. Nobody's the demanding Arizona a miracle. They're asking like him to do his semi- job. I mean, like, come on here. I understand doing his job, but th- you're not going to be able unless they play a full trap system for the rest of this tenure. You're not going to be able to rebuild that club to the point where it needs to be without Taylor Hall and an aging Phil Kessel. Whom we're going to talk about potentially, like unless Phil Kessel is willing to waive that no trade, he's he's there. So you know the, the assets that are tradable are limited. They're going to have to sacrifice some young veterans, quote unquote, like Christian Dvorak or a Fisher or potentially even a Garland if if that gets them what they want. I, I would personally keep Garland, but you know the the tough moves are going to be made and i feel like that was the guy to go and get them because st louis had to make tough moves and is currently having to make tough moves right now so no better guy to learn than bill armstrong well, we've been talking obliquely about the trades and obviously a big trade happened in montreal big trade being an operative term but we signed joel edmondson to a four-year deal with an average value of 3.5 million a season uh yay <laughs> right i think that's a yay yeah it's a yay i like it are you confident? No, are you this, uh, this, or, I'm, I'm a con- not, I'm a, Okay, you're not. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Adam speak then. Yeah, I like I, I like the signing. He's gonna play, and they just announced that he's probably gonna play next to Petrie on the second pairing. Mm-hmm. That they said the same thing about Sherrod. And now he's arguably gonna play top top pairing minutes with Weber, and, and then you, a, yeah. you Edmondson with Petrie. 
which, mm-hmm. and then all hell br- breaks loose on the third pairing because we have no clue who's going to be there. Really? I mean, like, okay, so no, sorry. I, the, the thing for me that uh, maybe I, that's, that's really holding me back on liking this trade is the four-year deal. That's really what it comes down to for me. I really wouldn't worry about it, AJ. Really wouldn't worry about it. I would argue that Edmondson won't even be on the Habs oh, next season. So you don't think that's a $14 million cap hit? It's like a rental feed almost. No, no, no. I think it's a four, I think it's three. No, no. It's a, I know that it is, but if he's gone, it's, it's not going to be fourteen million. No, I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to yeah. get taken in the expansion draft, especially for that cap because hit. Right? What's going to happen? They're going to they're going to protect Weber. They're obviously going to extend Petrie, so they're going to protect Petrie, and then you have one option: Are you really going to protect Sherratt with one year left on his deal? Are you going to protect Edmondson? Whom, or are you going to protect one of your your young guys like Mete, Yulson, Flurry, from being taken? And if you're Montreal and you see the age of your right defense, my guess is you're going to take the better one out of Mete, uh, out of yeah, out of Mete, Yulson, and and Flurry for protection, and you let Seattle pick between Sherratt and Edmondson. And if I'm Seattle, I pick Edmondson because Stanley Cup winner in his prime. The contract, in my opinion, is fair. I don't care about the analytics community's opinion on this because, quite frankly, they don't. We don't yet have the metrics to properly evaluate the contributions of defensive defensemen nowadays. And I don't give a shit about, or, or I don't care about expected goals for. And that's not what Edmondson's there for. So in the system that Montreal is going to play him in, he's going to look better than he did in Calgary, in Carolina, and that will boost his value regardless. So to me, he's got a 10-team no trade. He does not have a no movement, so he doesn't have to be protected. So if people think that this is the end of the world, that's something you have to factor in. Because they're thinking about the expansion draft, and if they're if they're going to be loading up on on, on roster players then you got to factor that in. And ultimately for me, I feel like defense is where the Canadians are going to get poached again, just like Emelin versus Vegas. With Vegas, I feel like Edmondson is an ideal candidate now for Seattle. So either they lose Sherrod, either they lose Edmondson, but you need that kind of defenseman in your decor regardless, by, by which point Romanov is probably ready. And then you will have the Struble Harris's coming into the American Hockey League. And then the year after that, you have Norlander. So ultimately, it's it's just a question of foresight. Um, a lot of people don't have it. And that's why a lot of people are complaining. I mean, part and parcel to this fan base, right? <laughs> As one of them, we can count it. Uh, Any fan base. I refuse to say only Montreal. The difference between Montreal and other fan bases is there's a lot more. Anything else you want to add before we start moving into the uh, other chatter here? Because we have on the list. But I like what I, I like what uh, Adam was talking about, where he's like Edmondson. You know, he's going to bring staple play to the to the second pair. That's the one thing that a lot of people are pissed off about is the fact that Kulak and Peachy was such an effective pairing. I agree, they were an effective pairing. But if Kulak is not good against, with anybody else but Petri, then Kulak's not good, and it's Petri making them better. And we know that Kulak is good. 
I have a feeling that Kulak is the third pair defenseman, and Romanov is going to start the season on Laval. Well, yeah, I mean, hasn't every good defender learned like that has to learn the North American way? Go to the minors first. Mm, it's hard to say. Heiskanen did not, yeah. for example. You know, like if you're an elite player, I get it. I think with Romanov, the fact that he didn't get as much playing time in the KHL as he would have liked. And the fact that he wasn't given the offensive opportunities that have many people discounting him as an offensive possible defenseman, I feel like maybe, you know, a stint of time in Laval, which is difficult to strategize now with COVID, you don't really know how that would work, sending players up and down from the minors in a in a bubble reality. But if 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 all things considered and stayed the same, Romanov to Laval for the beginning of the season to really like be the number one defenseman in all situations, playing power play, PK, you name it, under Joel Bouchard is an attractive notion. So if this pushes him further down the pecking order, then the Canadians are finally doing something they haven't done in a long time, and that is having depth at a position and taking their time with a prospect. And if Edmondson's $3.5 million helps them do that, then that to me is already worth the contract. <laughs> Although, let's let's be fair... Uh, he's probably far better than the anal- the 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 analytics show, uh, especially if he plays under a system like that of you know Claude Julien. All right, so let's move over to the next uh, side of the world, which is the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are ongoing. Uh, we have one series that is complete. We know who's going to the Stanley Cup from the Western Conference side, but the Eastern Conference is still up for grabs. So let's start there with the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Adam, what are you thinking so far? On this particular series, I mean, obviously Tampa's leading at the moment. Looks pretty much like they, 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 they I don't think they're going to screw this up. But heck, tell me what I'm should be thinking right now. So they, every game Tampa Bay won, I, I felt like they dominated the Islanders, and and then on the flip side, every game the Islanders won, it was a tight game, it was a one-two goal game. Um, look, I think they're playing tonight. I think it, it's. It's over tonight. Tampa Bay needs to win. But they don't have their game breaker in Braden Point, which arguably has been the best player in the playoffs in the last two series, maybe. Um, any, Not anything against uh, Sorelli, but I think Point is the deal breaker for Tampa Bay. Uh, and yeah, I, he's, he's been announced as a game time decision for tonight. We, we still don't know what he has. It's just a lower body injury right now. Legal. Exactly. We don't know anything yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, I, I liked what I saw from Tampa Bay. They're, they're f- a fairly better team offensively uh, than the Islanders are. That's not even a question. And, um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. they're winning tonight. They're winning in six. In Is it six? six tonight? Yeah, it's six. Yeah. That's Marco's prediction, right? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that was... Guys, I'm going to stick to it. I just honestly, like, these playoffs, I've been... I've either been right on the ball or Well, I mean, not. to be fair, the now has been during the early rounds, which is the most fun, right? Because it's always chaotic in the early rounds. But as the rounds start getting easier, the analytics and people like yourselves makes it a lot easier to look through, right? Yeah, I know, absolutely. I mean, look... I won Game Seven, <laughs> even though I said this would end in Game Six. I won Game Seven simply because it's just it just it's chaos. So refreshing to see a team like the Islanders just beat the odds, 
display that ga- the games aren't solely about transitional excellence and 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 being uh, the best play drivers on the planet. It's it's about strategy. It's about skill. Uh, and it's about being able to take advantage of situations and opportunism. That is hockey. Hockey is a game of mistakes. Um, to me, that that is the key. Um, and so when you look at a game like what we've seen between Tampa, especially that they played without Braden Point, uh, you know, it's it's a game of mistakes. And ultimately, you saw in Jordan Eberle's goal, you know, that was it was a mistake. It was it was an honest mistake made because someone was tired at the end of at the end of the play uh, that resulted in odd man rush. So for me, that is what I would say. Um, I think ultimately Tampa will win this, but I th- I also believe that the Islanders will be taken far more seriously, and players like well, first of all, Matt Barzal to me has reached superstar status. Let's be clear. But I feel like other guys like Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, their stock just rose big time. Uh, and the Islanders are right up against the cap with Matt Barzell, uh, Devin Taze, and uh, Ryan Pollock left uh, to sign this summer. Those are three key guys. So uh, I think they're doing themselves a favor on the ice. And I think they're doing themselves a favor off the ice, if you ask me. And, and if we can throw it back to Tampa Bay for a second. So we're talking about the injury to point. But no one's been talking about Samkos, right? They've been playing, like, winning without him. Oh, yeah. Without that, that's Stamkos. crazy. And they said he might be coming back for the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know if, if we had any updates uh, recently on him, but I know they stated that. So, I mean, if they win tonight, that's that's a guy they, they might get back in the finals, right? And and where yeah, would no, you look, slot him at that point could... with the emergence of point and all, you know? Right back to where he was first before line he started. Set, uh, first would, line, uh, uh, top line right away. Left away. No, top line. or You know what? You want to make it safe? Put him with Sorelli on the second line. He's in back a bit. Give him power play time. and Yeah. On the left wing, though. We'll see. So maybe go... Maybe go something like... Sorelli, Palat, and then Stamkos. Yeah. Man, that would be That's a Stanley Cup something. winning team right there. Yeah. A line. That's a second line. Imagine. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, that's just me spitballing. I, I could possibly know nothing. Well, Probably that's part of the fun, nothing. right? This is why we love this game, because it's always unpredictable. Even though it is kind of predictable, but not always. Uh, the games oh, take yeah. place at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight, uh, so go check that out. Uh, obviously, no in-person attendance. Let's go from there and talk about the Dallas Stars winning their series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Congratulations, go Stars! Uh, so four-one, this series ended up not it wasn't really close, to be honest. Well, <laughs> Vegas's big players decided not to show up. What? Pacioretty went cold in the playoffs? Never. <laughs> I wasn't going to start hating on Pacioretty right off the bat, but if you're going to open that, open I ain't that hating. Can of worms, I'm stating facts. <laughs> remember when the Canadians got? Um, remember when the Canadians got booted from the playoffs and Pacioretty was on a point per game tear? I think he had like eight points in eight games. No, no, seven uh, seven points in eight games. That's what it was. And then all of a sudden, from out of the blue, Pacioretty goes goalless. 
for the next seven games and only garners one assist. Or eight games, actually, and only garners one assist. And at that time, people were saying that that trade was a win-win. I don't see how the Pacioretty trade is a win-win for the for the Vegas Golden Knights because, yes, Pacioretty is a fantastic player during the regular season, but he continues to show the same issues in the playoffs. One guy who I thought for Vegas played his heart out was Mark Stone. What a... What, what, it just... Although, like, I always laugh whenever this guy gets injured because you never really know if he's faking or not, but... He's got that real soccer player you know, streak. Micro-fracture and all. It, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, ultimately I felt bad for him because he played his heart out. Riley Smith, Luke Tuck. Um, it's just... To me, I felt like Dallas just had an answer for everything. Um, could have been... Out played. of his mind. Yeah. Kudubin is channeling Michael Layton somewhere. Like I feel like he's got him in his closet and is just extracting the luck out of his soul. I feel like this is what's happening at this point because it doesn't make sense. He's just defying logic, at his, especially at his age. Um, but good for him. Uh, but I feel like right now, they simply didn't have a counter for the fact that Dallas' depth at scoring was something a little bit more prevalent than theirs. Especially when you have Pacioretty going cold at the precisely the wrong time. So he, and I really like the fact that Peter DeBoer was like, well, playing against Thatcher Demko in those last two games versus the Vancouver Canucks kind of killed their confidence. Okay. <laughs> hello. Hello. Excuse me, Hello. Hello. Sing. Hello. Yeah, I was going to say. We'd like to return this excuse. It's really terrible. <laughs> exactly. A rookie goaltender playing out of his mind destroyed a team full of veterans veterans they didn't have one player that team drafted on their club when they were playing that isn't no cody glass no nick hag they had white cloud who is the only member of the the chicago wolves team that went to like the western conference final in the ahl they had nobody developed on that team from their own perspective simply players acquired from the expansion draft and the and the fruits of fleecing the rest of the NHL during the expansion draft, pushing them further into the playoffs, and ultimately had nothing to show for it. So DeBoer having the gall to say it's a rookie goaltender's magical performance in in his first playoff games that destroyed their confidence, then in the great words of Michelle Terrier, ladies and gentlemen, that's soft. That's very soft. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're we're going on about Vegas, but let's 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 celebrate give, the stars. Yeah. It's, it's about let's Dallas. It's about Dallas. To, Jamie to Ben. Dallas. Like, 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 first I mean, of all, yeah, J- J- yeah, Jamie Ben. You, you got to give him credit because that's a guy that many people have thrown tomatoes at more so than the Queen of England at this point. And he's on a three-game um, goal streak, right? I think Tyler Sagan has played some... <laughs> yeah, if well, you don't waste pasta sauce where I come from. Um, you look at a guy like Tyler Sagan playing great two-way hockey. Uh, Ale- Alexander Radulov, who's God one day and <laughs> meh the next. It's just good that he shows up when he's God. I really like that. Um, especially in overtime, which, you know, helped them really put the nail in the coffin for this series. Um... But really, I feel like my unsung hero for, for, for Dallas, and not enough people are talking about him, Joel Pavelski is just the 
acquisition this team made in the offseason. I just the leadership and and flip side, you also see it with how the San Jose Sharks became like the third worst team in the NHL just like overnight with the same roster. Pavelski left and they just crumbled. Crumbled. No leadership on that team anymore. Uh Brent Burns couldn't handle it. Uh just they they didn't have it. Pavelski's contributions to the Dallas Stars during the season started off slow and kind of worked its way up. And within the first 20 games of the season, he was a locker room leader and they were like undefeated for like 10 games or something. And then went on to like a 22 and 8 record. He is hands down for me the best overall forward on that team. During right playoffs, now in terms of yeah. All impacts of yeah. the ice. Yeah. More so than Gurianov, who is awesome. More so than than Jamie Ben. More so than Tyler Segay. More so than Alexander Radulov. But the m- most valuable players on that team play on the other side of the blue line, and that's Miro Heiskanen and Dobby the Elf Kudabin. <laughs> so I mean, for me, you are learning one thing. Miro Heiskanen's name deserves to be in the conversation for the best young defenseman in the NHL, bar none. I don't want to hear this Rasmus Sandin stuff. No. I want to hear Miro Heiskanen being part of that conversation. I want to hear Miro Heiskanen being considered for a Norris yep. Trophy next year if he if he maintains this. But I also want to say that Anton Kudubin is going to be a very rich man this winter. I think he's going to sign a very good contract. If it's with Dallas or not, I don't know. But you can't put a performance like that and not pull out at least $4 million on your next contract. That's just good for him. Yeah, I have to agree. Well, boys, we've reached the end of the topic list. Uh, if, you're, if your fans are hankering for more content, please go check out our Anchor feed, which has all of our uh, episodes, including the last one, which featured uh, Mark Dumont of, uh, I guess I guess we can say the Canadians now, right? So anyway. Special contributor special to the Montreal Canadiens and avid exactly, fan of as we Putin. discussed eloquently on the show. So go check that out. Uh, so feel free. I ate Did Putin you? the next day. Oh my god! <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, carry uh, any last topics before we tag out for the show? Oh, guys, the draft is in oh less god, than three right. weeks. Yeah, October. I keep thinking October is like so this long giddy. time away, but it's just been. No. No, no, Marco's top 20, uh, the scrimmagestats.com. That's scrimmagestats.com. And of course, at the hockey expert, but you can go to scrimmagestats.com. That's scrimmagestats.com. Do you have this memorized for real? Do you like you and Val do this? Okay, cool. No, no, Val's just asleep next to me in bed and just hears me going, scrimmagestats.com. In my sleep. AJ has been promoting me for far too long. The top 62 is done. I'm uploading it as we speak and taking care of the graphic design. So that's the full top 62 ranking with explanation and sequencing coming straight to you, you by the end folks, of this week. People. So, I mean, like, seriously, go watch. So when's that officially? Gonna- We're talking about like 16,000 So when is this coming words. out officially? Uh, pro- I'm going to do my best okay, so for let's the just say Saturday morning. Let's so probably Saturday, when this episode Sunday? comes out anyway. So, uh, yeah, so check it out. Well, Probably after. Listen, I'm if, he does, probably if it's after. not there by Sunday at 5 p.m., chirp him. All yeah. right? Fair. That's fair. It right, gives him enough time. All I'm saying, it's draft time. Going to try to get some guests in the next week or so, if not next episode, the one after, to discuss the draft in, in depth. 
Uh, but definitely going to be topics of conversation over the next two Well, weeks. that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for the hockey flow. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I certainly did. I get to listen to these two amazing dudes talk about the greatest game on Earth. Uh, although a lot of people argue with me on that, but I think it is. Well, greatest game on ice, for sure. In any case, uh, thanks for listening. You can check out all our work at, at the Hockey Flow. That's D-A-H-O-C-K-E-Y. Uh, F-L-O-W on Twitter. Of course, you can find Adam Boucher at ReallyAdamB and, of course, Marco DeBiaco, ScribbageStats.com. ScribbageStats.com! ScribbageStats.com. At, uh, <laughs> of course, at The Hockey Expert. My name is Adrian Cordero. We'll catch you guys and guys... Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>